So for us, we're going to be uh, in our series on the parables, and remember we've been looking at the different parables of Jesus throughout the summer, and the parables are uh, basically, and for the most part, describing the kingdom of God. A lot of them start with a phrase, the kingdom of God is like, and then it goes into, Jesus goes into some sort of description, or the kingdom of heaven is like, uh, those, wor- those uh, phrases using just synonymous. Uh, and, and so to this time, we're going to look at the, the workers in the vineyard, uh, the, you know, which focuses on those workers, at least with that title. But quite honestly, the point of this parable is not about the workers, but about the landowner. Uh, and that landowner being God, who is lavish in his grace and his mercy towards us. So yes, it comes through uh, an understanding of how the workers respond, uh, but this is about our God. And so would, would you stand as we uh, turn to Matthew 20 and look at this parable uh, from the words of Jesus Uh, In Matthew 20, starting in verse 1, Jesus says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went, uh, going, uh, so they went going out again about the sixth hour, and the ninth hour he did the same. And about the eleventh hour... Uh, He went and found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only an hour, but, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Let's pray. Uh, God, we just ask that you would come in our midst, that you would uh, speak to us. God, that you would uh, show us your amazing grace and your mercy. Father, I pray for those in here today that have never come to that place where they understand that salvation is by grace alone. Father, if they've been trying to work their way towards you, trying to make themselves right before you, 
God, would you free them from that prison by showing them your mercy and grace and drawing us to you. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever heard or maybe even said phrases like this? uh, You know, uh, you got what you deserved. Or, you know, you eat what you kill. Uh, Or, uh, what have you done for me lately? Or, you know, you earned that. Okay, we, we live in a society that's built on this sense of merit or, or actions that derive some sort of reward or payment or something. You know, you think of the ratings that are just built into our society. And I'm not saying these are wrong necessarily. You know, back in school, high school days, you know, valedictorian, salutatorian, summa cum laude and magna cum laude. What do those even mean? But... Uh, uh, obviously, that wasn't me. But uh, gold, silver, bronze medalist, right, in the Olympics. Uh, if you're kind of a golfer, uh, U.S. Open, they had to qualify to get into it. The European Tour used to actually call their ranking systems the order of merit, okay? Uh, at work, when you're there after a year or two, you get performance reviews, and you get those regularly. Even better, your raise is tied to your performance, or better or worse, either way. Uh, In orchestra, you have first, second, third chair for each instrument. Our world is built on this sense of what what you do and how you perform uh, is now ranked out, and uh, certain things come from that. Uh, And then the scriptures speak to this sense of sometimes there is a, a sense where, you know, you sow in the ground, sow seed, and then you reap the harvest. But if you don't sow, you will never reap. There is that cause and effect reality. And so we love this idea of fairness and merit, but I think we like to talk about grace, but sometimes we get frustrated by it. Then, and then Jesus comes with this parable to speak about justice and generosity and grace in the face of fairness and merit. And so everything our world says is now going to come kind of like uh, and be challenged by this parable that Jesus is setting out. So just to get things rolling in the first seven verses, there's a landowner. Uh, He has a vineyard, uh, and he needs it to be harvested. So he goes out to find workers. So the typical work day uh, in that that time was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. It was a 12-hour work day. Uh, And so 6 a.m., they go to the kind of that that main gathering place, the the marketplace there, and there's workers. Uh, And this is where day workers or day laborers would hang out in order to be hired. And so anybody that needed day laborers would go there, and this landowner finds some, hires them, and agrees to pay them a denarius, which is uh, uh, the typical pay for a day's work for a laborer. Okay, so go and work in my field, and I'll pay you a denarius. And then he comes back three hours later, so 9 a.m., and he finds more, and he says, go work in my field, and I'll pay you whatever is right. That is what I'll give you. Then it implies 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, still more workers. Then finally 5 o'clock, one hour of work left. He hires another group of workers, and they go into the field. Now, um, other than bad planning on the landowner's part, 
there's nothing shocking about the hiring of workers and sending them to the field. Now, right here is that caution of don't overread a parable. Okay? It's very easy to say, well, here, the landowner obviously is a bad planner. Who is the landowner in this? It's a symbol of who God is. Therefore, God's probably not the best planner. Yeah, so if you overread a parable, you can make it say a lot of things that it does not intend to say. Most parables have a main point uh, and maybe some subs under that, but don't get carried away too far. Does that make sense? Okay, so the first seven verses get us rolling, and, uh, but what happens next in the parable is what shocks the hearers. And basically, it's this sense that God's grace confounds our sense of merit. And so Jesus is going to speak to that sense of fairness and merit and earning what you, what you deserve and all of those different things. And so he gets there by, by how, he, uh, how this landowner pays the workers or the laborers. Old Testament law requires that a laborer that works for somebody is paid at the end of the day. Okay? Uh, For whatever day they worked, they would get paid at the end of the day. And so the owner instructs his foreman, his manager, uh, to gather all the laborers and pay them. And he starts with the last one that he hired. Now, even that is a little bit of an upside-down paradigm of what is common in the day. It's a first, you know, it's kind of like a, uh, an honor culture. You know, uh, first place matters. You know, that's why so much is made of the older brother uh, in, in different parables and even uh, with Jacob and Esau and those different things. So, so even bringing the last worker hired to pay them first, the, the hearer would be like, Uh, Okay, that's a little odd, but nothing too alarming. Brings the first workers and pays them. Uh, Then, uh, verse 9, the 11th hour worker gets paid a denarius. So remember, denarius is is a day's wage, uh, and it's the same amount that, uh, that was agreed to the first hour worker. So the guy that works 12 hours is going to get a denarius, and the guy that works one hour is going to get a denarius. If you're a first-hour worker, how are you feeling? Like, wait a second, right? But they actually thought optimistically, because this landowner is a good guy, right? Verse 10, they thought that they would receive more. Because if all these other guys that only worked an hour or, you know, less than we did, if they're all getting a full day's wage, what are we going to get for actually working a whole day? Well, They got a denarius. They got a day's wage, right? And then in verse 11 and 12, they grumble at the master of the house. And and then later in that, you have made them, meaning the the workers that worked less, you've made them equal to us. Isn't that interesting? So so grab all of those sentences together. Uh, They thought they would receive more. They grumbled at the master of the house, and you have made them equal to us. Do you just hear the sense of merit and fairness and and all of those things that are true in this culture, but also in ours? Do you hear that? They think they deserve more, but here's here's the point. Who is Jesus speaking to? So where is this parable going? Okay, you go back to verse 1 of chapter 20, and we're not going far enough back. 
Okay, uh, so the point he's making is for the kingdom of heaven is like, but who is he talking to? You have to go back to chapter 19 to get that. So chapter 19, verse 23, he speaks to his disciples. And he's speaking to his disciples following the encounter, you might remember this, between Jesus and, what, and the guy they call the rich young ruler, so the rich young ruler was a guy who's, who wanted uh, to, uh, to follow, follow Jesus and, and said, hey, I, I've kept all the commandments. What do I need to do to, to follow you? And Jesus looks at him, this guy with great wealth, and says, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the rich man says, actually he doesn't say anything. He just walks away sorrowful. Because it was basically too great a price for him to pay. And so, so that exchange happens. The disciples are confounded because the guy with great wealth can't be saved. They ask, who then can be saved? Because it was an honor culture. And then Peter starts thinking. Peter gets to, I love this guy, right? The on, sorry, uh, the, the honesty of, of Peter is, he, he does the math on this. If this guy wasn't willing to sell all he had and give it to the poor, what does he ask Jesus is Matthew 19, 27. Then Peter said, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? What an interesting question. What, what's he basically saying? Is Jesus, we gave it all up. So what, what's in store for us? And a few verses later, Jesus says, the first will be last and the last first, and then he tells our parable. So our parable is describing Jesus' answer to Peter's question about how does somebody enter the kingdom and where is merit found? The world says you get paid for the work you do. The kingdom of God is not like the world. Grace abounds in the kingdom of God. We all scream for, scream for fairness, but if we're honest, none of us want fairness from God. Nobody really wants it. If God gave us all fairness, not one of us not one of us would be able to stand before God. Not one of us would be able to approach him. Not one of us would, would be given any blessing. If God were to dole out blessings based on fairness, there's no blessing coming out. Because we don't deserve God's blessing, we deserve his wrath. R.C. Sproul makes the point uh, about justice. He says, justice is receiving what is deserved. That's just, right? Uh, so you work and you get something uh, in, uh, you know, kind of correlation to it or a punishment that fits the crime. So justice is getting what you deserve. Well, there's many types of non-justice, the first one we think about is injustice, being poorly treated. You deserve to get paid, but the landowner doesn't pay you, okay? But then there's mercy and grace. Those are both non-justice uh, actions. We're not getting what we deserve, but they're not unjust either. Did you catch that? God's not got 
giving us what we deserve, but he's not treating us uh, wrongly or unjustly. God's mercy and his grace doesn't give us what we deserve. He actually gives us his blessing when we deserve his wrath. None of the workers are treated unjustly, including the first ones hired. No one is treated unjustly. The only person actually treated unjustly in this parable is whom? The landowner. He gets grumbled against, okay, unfairly. You know, we like to talk about grace. We, we, we like to talk about it, but I think a lot of times we live according to merit. We expect good behavior to be rewarded. We expect uh, unwise people to get what's coming to them. Uh, we ask questions like, what did, he, what did he do to deserve that if he got some blessing? Um, and here's the dangers, that we think we deserve more than we do. We think we deserve anything at all. We're frustrated when God doesn't respond the way I think he should. And like one commentator said, we are frustrated when someone less deserving, at least in our sight, was treated with even more generosity than us. So there's that sense where the the grace of God just kind of pushes against and challenges our sense of merit, kind of the way we see the world. But again, this passage is... Wrong. There we go. This passage uh, also obliterates, in God's grace, obliterates our natural expectations because this, this parable is not about the workers, though it shows the heart of how people tend to understand God. This parable is about the grace of God, right? This parable shows, uh, is about God's absolute generosity Because you could easily look at this and think that the first hour workers, which is actually Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's he's, he's basically saying, you're a first hour worker, guy. That they worked their way into the kingdom. But again, be careful to overread the passage. Jesus is not saying, disciples, you earned your way in and everybody else needs grace. He's using a common vernacular, a common understanding to illustrate a point of his graciousness and his generosity. The same grace goes to everyone who follows Christ. There is no distinction. The point of the parable is the graciousness of the landowner. There's no distinction You walk with him from your youth or from your last days. God's grace is all the same. What's wild is that God's grace, here's the truth for everybody, is that God's grace is always a disproportionate blessing than what we think we deserve. Okay, so verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 14 Jesus says, or the, the landowner speaks to this worker, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Basically, that was the choice of the landowner. Verse 15, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Is God not allowed to show grace is basically the question. Or do you begrudge my generosity? The literal sense of begrudge, and our English translations are trying to translate an idiom for us so we understand what's going on, but is, do you look with an evil eye towards my generosity? 
an evil eye, like of greed or of wanting more. Uh, and, and so Jesus is saying, you know, yes, God's grace is overwhelming at times. And it's going to press against our, our sense of merit and the sense of the way that we see the world working. Jerry Bridges says it this way, that God didn't pay them according to what they earned, but he paid them according to what they needed. They needed a day's, a day's wage to pay for food for their family. And back to Matthew 19, yes, Peter, you, says Jesus, you will sit on thrones ruling with me, but everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive how much? A hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. That's everyone, not just the disciples, not just the ones who started early and got going. Everyone who experiences the grace of God ex- receives 100-fold uh, what, in, in a sense, anything that they do and they re- receive and inherit eternal life. A hundred times the blessing compared to your work and your effort. What's the point of the parable? Is you can can't possibly outwork God, and God's blessing and his grace always exceeds what we think we deserve. I think when we oftentimes make parables about the workers, who do we miss? We miss Jesus, we miss God and his graciousness, and that ought to thunder over us. That, that the, the disciples had a view of God's work that was this small, and Jesus is going to blow their paradigms out of the water and say, I am way more gracious than you could imagine. None of you get in on your merit, and you will be astounded with my blessing over you. But what also do the disciples miss by their question, or what also do the early workers miss in this sense of blessing? What did, what, did the, what did the early workers get beyond a denarius for their work? What were they given by being hired? Think about that. Compared to the other guys that weren't. They didn't have to fret all day about getting hired. Remember, this is how they fed their family. They experienced the joy of knowing that they actually could care for their family. They didn't have to figure out as they're standing there in the market, how they're going to go home and tell their wife that they couldn't find work. They didn't have to think about looking at their kids in the eye when they have no food for dinner that night. And how are they going to explain that they don't have enough to eat? None of that is necessarily in the equation of the blessing that they were, they were thinking about. But they missed the blessing of experiencing God's grace early. So students... Here's an assignment for you. If you are high school age or under, find somebody in our church who came to know Christ in their 30s or after. 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Somebody that came to know Christ late in life and ask them if they wish they had trusted in Christ earlier in their life. To a person they will speak of they wish 
they had started, and in a sense, at 6 a.m., and they had walked all day with the Lord, as opposed to coming late in, and yes, experiencing his grace, but having to live so long without his grace in their life. I think people that know the things of God, they flip this paradigm, almost like walking with God, you get shortchanged, but being in the world is where, the, where it's at, and God is saying, no. I'm the one. I'm the gracious landowner. Come and walk with me. Don't wait till the end. And also, if you are walking with me from the first hour, don't begrudge me for showing grace to ones that come in late in the game. What was the parable we read a couple weeks ago? When the, the, uh, when the lost sheep is found and lost coin is found, it's like God going and finding his, uh, his, his people and, and drawing them. And what happens in heaven when, uh, when one of his people repents and returns to the Lord? What happens? There is a party. And the angels rejoice at the top of their lungs, if they have lungs. Uh, and, but anyway, uh, it's a loud, raucous thing in glory because, because of the repentance and the grace of God coming to a repentant person. There is grace that abounds, and it is there for the taking, and that's what this table is all about. This table is all about God's grace being shown at the cross. We couldn't save ourselves, so Jesus went to the cross to pay, this, pay the, uh, the penalty that we deserve, the wrath that we should endure, and then rose again to give us life. Do you know him? Do you know him by faith? Have you experienced his grace? If you haven't, come see us after the service. We would love to introduce you and lead you to know King Jesus. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would uh, take your word have it sink deep into our hearts. Thank you for your grace that none of us stand here on our own merit. Father, what a freedom that is. What a joy that is uh, that you bring us into your kingdom just with exceeding generosity so that none of us can have pride. It brings us all to a humble place. And God, we come before you and worship you. Uh, We come before you and give you all the glory. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.